What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Hey everyone, welcome to Who Pods the Watchmen, a weekly companion podcast for the the new show. I always say the upcoming HBO show, but guess what? Holy shit. It's here. It's here, Clay. We it's, did it. It's finally here. We, you know, we had a dream and we decided to set forth on a mission a while ago to go ahead and start a pod, a pod that was going to reshape the world. Mm-hmm. We were going to bring about... The most comprehensive look at one of the greatest shows, and this was this was just a guess on our part mm-hmm. that it was going to be one of the greatest shows of all time. Mm-hmm. And then the pilot came out, and <sighs> pat yourself on the back, buddy. Yeah, this show is so far digging. I'm digging it. I'm, you, I'm excited. You've been wrong a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Once or twice in my life, but, I suppose I've been I've been wrong. <laughs> but I'm happy to say you were right this time. Yeah, it feels good, and thank God it's here. You know, I don't know if people are familiar with this. They might be actually watching or listening for the first time. Yeah. Do you want to just kind of maybe do a quick intro? Sure. Hey. Who are you? Welcome, everybody, to Who Pods the Watchmen. Like I said, we are a we are a companion podcast for HBO's Watchmen miniseries. So far, I think it's, it's con- calling itself a miniseries. Yeah. Hopefully, as the show goes on, they're going to pick it up because... Downton Abbey style. Right. It's, yeah. It's pretty brilliant already. There's got to be more seasons coming. Docudrama. But we... Um, I'm, my name's Grant. I'm Clay. And we are uh, two people who already are huge Lindelof fans. And we both have been fans of comics for a bit. So fuse those two bad boys together. Uh, I, I read The Watchmen when I was... Uh, Oh, a wee lad, a tyke, a tyke. Yeah, you were playing with the Duplo Legos right when I was uh, I was twenty, but I was still playing with Duplos. <laughs> no real excuse for this. Uh, yeah, but I I decided, you know what? I want to go back in and dive through this. Um, you joined me on this journey of diving through the twelve issues of the comic, correct? And we went through that on the podcast here. We checked out and explored this whole world. We got ourselves re-engrossed with the whole mythology of the Watchmen universe, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' masterpiece. And we have, have of course, watched Lost. We've watched um, Leftovers. Leftovers. We've watched Tomorrowland and Prometheus. <laughs> and the other ones, that, the unmentionables, uh, the movie endeavors. Of hey, Prometheus, Lost. come on. We, we can get into that yeah, whole we'll thing. talk about that later. I, yeah. en- I enjoyed it the first time. I don't know about We won't talk about that now time. because that's not why people are tuning in. But if people are listening, this is kind of like, you know, halfway through a boring football game, they might move you to another one. I think that some people might not have listened to us or watched us the last few weeks, but there is a trove of information out there. There's 12 episodes going over the um, going over the comic book. But now actually the TV show tonight premiered. Mm-hmm. Badass, exciting. I think, uh, I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I'm glad we're going to talk about it now. I think you did too. Right. But just wanted to let everybody know that there is a ton of stuff out there. If you are curious and you're wondering, why did baby squids hit someone's windshield? 
That might be one of the questions you have after watching this episode. Still a little bit of a question I have. Right. Me too. Me too. But at least we'll have a little bit more information in we previous podcasts. We do have a little bit, of, little bit of background into why that might have been integrated into this world here. Um, yeah. So please, by all means, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Go and check out our backlog. And you can uh, follow us. A uh, little, little quick plug time here. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And if, I, I would say Instagram is probably the, the best social media platform to follow us on. That's the one where I try to do the most engagement with the listeners. Swole Sauce. Yeah, when yeah, you say yeah. listeners, it's listener singular and it's Swole Sauce. Swole Sauce Incorporated, yeah. our, our one listener. Yeah. Is That's, that you, Mike? Mike uh, Mike's our man on, on behind the cam here running the operation. Swole Sauce, we knew it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so go ahead and follow us there. And if you guys also want to help support us, you can go to patreon.com slash who pods a watchman there. You can make a monthly pledge. Give us a couple bucks. Give us, I think if you give us five bucks a month, you'll be able to see the live stream, which we are actually doing right now. We just watched the episode. We ran over here to the studio. We are doing a live stream and that's a, that's an exclusive that if you didn't catch the live stream at 10 PM central time, when we kick things off, we're giving our fresh takes here. Mm-hmm. If you don't get to see that, we take that video off. We kind of put it behind uh, pa- Patreon, and we make that available to all of you guys who give a uh, five dollars a month. Yeah. So I mean, if you like, if you're someone who likes cold pizza, <laughs> that's no way to describe. I, well, I mean, you know, right now the pizza's fresh; it's hot. If you like, you know, day old, two day old cold pizza, I mean, I mean, you can take it on a picnic or something. Cold pizza has its place. I do like cold pizza. You know, if you wake up and you have a hangover, you need something to listen to. You might want to support us on Patreon. I certainly prefer the warm pizza, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Patreon.com is <laughs> an awful, awful yeah. way to promote that. Patreon.com/slash/WhoPods a Watchman. We appreciate all of your support and helping us out. And yeah, with all of that. You know what? I want to say real quick, we are going to be, of course, discussing spoilers on this. And we also recognize that there may be some new listeners that are joining us. So we're going to try to make sure that we are cognizant cognizant of that, um, making sure that uh, if some people might not be familiar with the Watchmen comic, we're, we're, not, um, we're not just dropping in. A bunch of uh, references to that without kind of a little bit of an explainer. But we still do recommend that people go and read that comic. Yeah, we will for sure be referencing that. I mean, it's only natural. And and if you don't want to hear that information, you probably shouldn't listen. And that's just how it is. So, But before we do get into that, we're going to give our hot takes and first impressions of it and give a little synopsis. And when we do get into the spoiler stuff, we'll go ahead and give you one more warning. So you guys can jump out of the episode, go watch the actual TV episode, and then jump right back in. Yeah. For sure. You ready? Let's do it. Let's talk about uh, the plot. What happened in this first episode? It's kind of crazy because it it's all taking place in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And if I was, were to give a general synopsis, there is a rich and awful history of, of race relations and um, power dynamics that have gone on with just tragic consequences in Tulsa. Yeah. And we see a black, uh, we see a flashback to the past where there was the Tulsa. I don't even know the name of it. Do you know the name of the, the event that well, happened? With I'm the, not sure. I mean, 1921 race riots in Tulsa, you know? Right. And then we jump into the present and we see there's a lot of hostility between the police and a white supremacist group. Who's now taken on the, um, the, the masks, of Rorschach, and they're basically a, a cult 
toward Rorschach and his his diary that he left behind from the comic book. And they've kind of bastardized some of his views. In some aspects, they are maybe a little bit more spot on. Yeah. But they have become a foe of the police, and it's it's both uh, contesting the power of them as well as there's some underlying racial current that's going on. Maybe not even underlying in some aspects. It seems like they were present about three years ago, mm-hmm. and now they're, it's rearing its ugly head again. So this – As racism and everything else tends to do. This so. introduced us to a police officer getting shot up. And the police going into lockdown mode and trying to go on the offensive against this this white supremacist cult group and things culminating to a point. And I guess that's where I will leave it in vague terms. Yeah, I think that's a nice uh... – We get introduced to some costumed uh, police officers. They're wearing uh, kind of superhero costumes. Yeah, and... not sure they have any powers, but that's very, that's very Watchmen-esque. Right. These are just people wearing costumes for different reasons, and that's obviously going to be explored. Right. But uh, yeah, we have some interesting stuff going on in Tulsa, and I don't know how often that sentence has been made. <laughs> so definitely a good show whenever you're interested in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm sorry to the listeners out there for saying that, but you know, if you are from Tulsa. Without further ado, I think it's time for some hot takes. Hot takes. Ooh, yeah, you know, silky. I thought, again, broad brushstrokes here, but the music was awesome. It didn't sound hokey. It it used some old Americana. I mean, literally Oklahoma musical soundtrack type stuff that mm-hmm. you generally would not expect to see and expect to make it work. But great piano. Just the pacing was good. The framing was good. Building a scene, building intensity in small moments with just maybe one or two characters. Awesome. I thought it really had the kind of holy smokes, this is weird factor in a lot of places too where, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with like the unheimlich type of horror, right? Where it's horror that if everything is different, then you just kind of take it as as new and you're not really that scared, right? But if everything is similar, but then one or two things are off, it's going to kind of be unnerving and get under your skin. Right. And that's called unheimlich and it's kind of this like horror horror uh tool that a lot of people use. And this had that, you know, you would kind of think, oh, this is regular United States. And then you would see a poster um, at the school and would have like uh, Robert Redford, for instance, as the as the president or squids would fall or you would see a regular routine traffic stop. And it's just an old truck on an old dirt road in Oklahoma. You think I've seen this a million times. And then the camera slowly pans upward and you see that the the police officer has a mask Mm. or at least, you know, up to his eyes are covered. And you think, okay, something's up here. You know, so there's just these ominous tones underneath that keep it really exciting. And I don't know about you, but like I was watching it and I was kind of scared. I, I didn't, I, I, even at really beautiful moments, I thought, is someone about to get shot through the head right now? You know what I mean? Like I couldn't settle down. Right. So it was great. How they build the tension. Yeah. Like you said, the, the musical choices, the, the music, um, not just the, the soundtrack, the tracks that they're playing, but also the comp, the composing, posing, whatever word. Composing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? It, it all really lended to the atmosphere of this show. I think the directing was fantastic. The use of lighting of all the scenes, it really built the tension as well. The characters that they introduced are all immediately fascinating. They're all a little bit quirky. I'm not sure if, if anyone is like, oh, you're like pure good. Everyone's just got a little bit of of damage, a little bit of edge to them that I'm 
you're like, looking at me. You're it? looking at me a little too closely when you talk about damage. Everyone's yeah. got damage. Clay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we need a couch. So, yeah. Overall, I was just really impressed with this. I think that coming off of us freshly reading and really dissecting the comic book, it ties into that in a lot of fascinating and intricate ways, a lot of subtle ways. But I really get how this fits into that same world, and that's no easy feat. Absolutely not. I think, and also, you know, I don't know if people listen to this, maybe if they didn't, it's for the better, but a week or two ago, we broke down the Zack Snyder film right. from 2009 and looking at that film and then watching the show within two weeks of one another, it's really kind of like, now I look at the film again and I think that's kind of more like a presidential library, <laughs> you know, of someone else's, um, like fait accompli and, accompli and, and things they've done. Mm. Whereas this is like, oh, this was really refreshing because it was a piece of new art. And these days, that's really hard to come by. And I know it's just one TV show, you know, but, and it's just one episode in that TV show, but wow, it was just so good. It was so thrilling to watch it. And thank God we have it because of course we're huge Lindelof fans and he for sure delivered. There's so much to chew on from this episode that I was immediately left with going, I need the next one. Yeah. Which is always a great feeling from a show. Uh, I and, and the fact that this is the pilot, there are some peculiar things that I wonder how jarring they are to the unindoctrinated yeah. viewer, but maybe we'll get some feedback from some people who are just checking this out. We would love to actually hear from them. And speaking of that, there is a ton to chew on. Did you want to just go through it start to finish and kind of we'll just break down the scenes or, or what do you think? I think that's the best approach. I think yeah. we'll, we will try going linearly. We'll talk about what scenes were happening, what we were thinking as we were watching it, anything that stood out in particular. And that's how we will break things down. Which is a good time to go ahead and warn you guys, we are now going into spoiler time. Spoilers. Spoilers. So we want you guys to, you know, be on alert. We're going to we're gonna dive in. We're gonna talk about everything. We're gonna even reference things that happen in the comic a little bit. And maybe even our reference things in our personal lives. <laughs> when we say spoilers, we might it might spoil our personal lives here. Let's jump in. Yeah. When we first open up on the show. We are seeing some old-timey movie in the 1920s in a theater, and it shows a hooded rider riding across and roping up a white businessman, also on a horse, dragging him to the ground in front of uh, a church full of citizens, and he reveals the, – the hooded figure pulls off his hood to reveal that he's, um, he's a, a black sheriff who's going to hold this guy accountable, and there's this little – little black boy in the theater watching the movie of this. And like, he's obviously watched it a bunch. He's like quoting lines. He's really excited to see the sheriff, uh, hold this guy accountable. And then we see that there's something going on in the background. There's bombings and there's, um, screams outside and his mother is freaking out because there's race riots going on and it is brutal. Yeah. What did you make of this whole intro? You know, it was just pure Lindelof. I mean, we have – it starts out with – in who – you know, Watchmen has always been about who watches those people. I guess the better way to say it is we have the idea of what someone is. If they're a superhero, they're always going to be good. If they're a, 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 an authority figure, they're always going to be good looking out for us. And watching this uh, – the show that the, that the little boy was watching, everything's idyllic, right? And then you even have the little white kid um, – in love with like the 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 black hero, 
which generally you would not see in 1921. I mean, it was a big deal, I know, in the late 80s, early 90s, when white kids had Michael Jordan's poster oh, on the, their wall. in the movie. In the movie he's right, watching, right? right? right, right yeah. And so you see art as this perfect thing, and then literally you have planes dive-bombing and killing people, and you have people looting in the streets outside. So you see the per- perfect art confronting reality and how awful reality is, and that's kind of what this show is going to be about. I mean, police officers should be good. They should be helping us, and I think actually – in the show, and maybe we'll get into that more in later episodes, but it's just really interesting to see this perfect vision of what art can be and how also maybe your fantasies when you're a little kid and your dream world and everything. You know, we teach our kids like, oh, police officers and firefighters are great, you know, and then you get into something that's maybe a little bit different. Yeah. You know, definitely so, uh, pulling the hood in a metaphorical way off of your idyllic vision. Of, of the past. And, and that's exactly what the comic book was about. Who watches The Watchmen? Yeah. You know, so. they're, they're not a, as perfect as everything seems. Yeah. So great. Really cool. Really cool intro. Really important that they dive into what's going on in Tulsa in 1921. There's part of, uh, part of Watchmen is that it's an alternate reality. But this was the reality. Yeah. <laughs> this actually went down in Tulsa. It was fucking horrific. Also, we cuss on this show. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Also, if your kids are listening, it's a school night, so they shouldn't be listening to the F word anyway. They should be asleep. It's 10 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Have to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After watching this very important and historically accurate intro scene of Watchmen. Right. But I think that when I first saw the Hooded Rider, yeah. I thought it was a play off of the old Watchmen, the... Um, what were they called? Not the Crime Busters, the mm-hmm. Minutemen. Yeah. And I thought maybe that was supposed to be a representation of the Hooded Justice from the Minutemen riding across because he's got the hood and, and he's also got the, the lasso, which is kind of acting as a noose around the other guy's neck. And I was like, oh, is that what they're going with the symbology here? No, it ends up it's some whole other character. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to see what's going to happen with that little kid because obviously that little kid grows up to be Louis Gossett Jr., who's the old man in the wheelchair right. later on. Right. And his his whole history. I don't know if you saw – I'm getting way ahead of myself, but did you see the um, after credits thing where they say later on in the rest of the you, season? As you know from watching TV with me for about 20 years now, I never watch those. This makes sense. During Game of Thrones, in fact, I would put my fingers in my ear and sing a song to myself while y'all watched them. Well, so. foot in my mouth. I'm not going to talk about no, it. No, you be you. You be you. I'll, I'll forget. I'll forget in a week. I'm not going to. Well, I mean, as far as spoilers, we don't want to go into what's going on later, too. I don't think that's going to be We good have other it. things to get to before that anyway. We got plenty. Yeah. But it was brutal. It you was, see a little baby's head hanging limp. You see a woman being thrown in the street and her uh, some family member, maybe a spouse, burning and falling out the window of the building, um, other people taking bullets to the head and just dropping in front of them, the family, as they're trying to flee the whole riot. Yeah. And then his parents oh. write a note and give it to him as they put him in a box. And didn't that remind you a little bit of Superman? Not to cheapen this in any way, but it felt like a whole Krypton is crumbling. Your your world is ending. Maybe you could have seen the writing on the wall, jor L style. But your last hope, your son, you yeah. put a note, watch this boy, and yeah. send him out there. It felt like a very comic book superhero origin story, very akin to Superman. And I mean, not and it feels fitting to also be a part of Watchmen. Yeah, I mean I'm a Marvel guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
So <laughs> I didn't get that. Now I find out. <laughs> but it, it was horrific, and it was hard to watch. And you know, after, after a minute in, it's not a rom-com. And, no. you know, again, it's Lindelof being really smart and knowing what he wants to do and focused and achieving that focus, which is hard to do. And it's that I, I know we talked about it last week is that in the 1980s when Alan Moore wrote Watchmen, the big anxiety in the world, one of them at least, was the fear of nuclear annihilation mm. right between the United States and USSR. Here, Lindelof knows that in 2019, it's power structures, it's the rise of fascism, or not rise, re, you know, re, it's, it's reappearing, and also, of course, racism and race relations. And so he confronts that, and he confronts that in a horrific way, in a powerful way, and hopefully people are now maybe uh, Wikipediaing Tulsa race riots and finding out that this happened in communities all over the country. So it wasn't like Abraham Lincoln, you know, got the 13th Amendment passed, and then everything was hunky-dory. I mean, give me a break. So hopefully this is actually a learning experience for people because uh, it, w- it was horrific to watch. I remember when he said before the Comic-Con screening, he goes, you know what? I feel like we have 2,000 people in the audience that are going to be watching the premiere and 50% of them are going to like it and 50% are not. And that 50% that aren't, racists. Bunch of, <laughs> or, <laughs> bunch the, of racists. or they thought it was a rom-com. They thought it was a I thought Watchmen. Yeah, men watching men. I thought they were going to be like these like door guys, these valets in Manhattan, and they were just watching the streets. And then what? And then maybe a, a woman tripped, you know, walking over the carpet in front of the building, and is one it, of them is caught that the her. Meat cute? Yeah, Aww. that's the meat cute. So you know, maybe those guys too, but they were probably racist as well. Also racist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, the when the car turns over and its headlights are beaming, Archie. It, it felt like Archie a little yeah. bit. That was a sweet callback. And I know people might not be familiar with the comic book, but there was a sweet flying vehicle named Archie, lovingly mm-hmm. t- lovingly called Archie. And we actually see Archie later. That's the owl ship. Yeah, the that owl we ship. see later flying around. And then it also crashes and turns on its side with its lights like that. Absolutely. And so it was a good foreshadowing, I guess, of, of Archie also yeah. crashing. Yeah. There, and, there were a lot of like fan indulgences. Didn't you think so? Yeah. You know? But I didn't feel... Too many of them, if any, felt heavy-handed. No. Maybe the smiley face with the eggs was for me. I went, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but it, but <laughs> it's it, a smiley face. But it didn't last long. Like Zach, Zack Snyder would have paused for four or five seconds on that to show like – Oh, it would have been slow-mo with the what, eggs. Look what I did, everybody. He's patting himself on the back. <laughs> so this it, worked. Someone would have circled it and wrote, like the cover. <laughs> yeah. So obviously – so you know, just thinking about the plot, the little boy escapes the race riots in Tulsa. His family is is – killed i mean horrifically and he His sign says watch over this boy mm-hmm. he still has that sign apparently when he's older like right. what's going on i, I there? think you would hold on to that you yeah know? i think you would hold on to that I, as a family I, yeah. I guess that's like your one heirloom in a way yeah kind of awful yeah think uh, about you know he must it must have been on non um acid paper right a hundred years later it's still but yeah no strong. but you know he actually picks up i mean really I mean, brutal. I mean, if you have kids or if you don't have kids, seeing a, a kid pick up a kid in the American flag, which it just has just let them down because it, you know, poli- Amer- American policies resulted in the death of this kid's whole family. Um, and he is now, you know, comforting this kid. Um, and so we don't know who this child is either. I mean, he looks like he's about five years old. Yeah. Later, he says he's about 105, I think. Um, that might be after the credits. <laughs> so sorry if that's a little bit of a spoiler, but it does make me think this is taking place in 1919 or 2019. 
two uh, two years away from a hundred year anniversary. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So now after that, we see this little boy carrying a, a younger girl. I mean, she she was just like not even a toddler, just a baby. And then it fast forwards to I believe the present day. Yeah. And where where did it where did it go there? Uh, I believe well, it went to a routine traffic stop. Did yeah, you have anything it, else in that scene? Sorry. No, nothing else really to note except for I'm wondering where that kid went and what, where he ended up, who took care of the him. The boy or the girl? The boy. Yeah, for sure. There's, I have theories. We'll find out. I have theories. Obviously, we'll, he was connected to and he and or he knew uh, Regina King's dad. Oh, yeah? Because he mentions it on the phone, right? Doesn't he say, you're this name, your dad's this person? Or, or did I mishear that? I, I guess he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sounds right. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my own kid was screaming at me the whole time during the show, so I might have <laughs> misheard that. Right. But uh, yeah. So we jump over to a what seems like a routine traffic stop of this dude who, who yeah, a, a black officer comes and pulls over a, a white dude who's got some scruffy hair. He kind of looks like um, Clay. <laughs> looks like you right now. <laughs> right. Right. And when he opens up his glove box, he's got a mask that he's like trying to hide as he's handing over the paperwork. We also see a little bit of this tension with the officer having a mask and him being like, why don't you show me who you, you actually are? Show your face. Yeah. Sweet kind of smoldering slow play with the uh, angle up. I mean, I'm not a TV guy, but you right. know, the way they tilted the camera up was they had sweet. the blur. And up. Yeah. 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 Anyway. And it was a, it was a very fascinating reveal and entry point into what this new modern world is. What is the landscape that's going on that has cops hiding their identity in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they are at odds with a violent sect, violent cult, white white power cult mm-hmm. that um, is making them actually afraid for their lives. Hey, now, don't say white power cult. Remember, there are good people on both sides. No. <laughs> Jesus. We, we can't abide that line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that whole I, – I thought when he goes into his car, yeah. the officer, and he's starting to um, call Panda and be like, hey, I need you to unlock my gun. What a fascinating world in, that, in which you have to have a secondary system that allows an officer to withdraw a gun for a situation, and he has to – have mm, have someone else like give give approval? Almost like certain Icelandic countries, where is that it, is the case. Is that what's going on? Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's located in their trunks, and they have to get approval. Well, I thought that was but actually I, kind of fascinating. I mean, you're sitting there on that. that Although Panda seems like a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> no one wants to deal with that guy. He's a bureaucrat. Uh, he's, he's a bureaucrat. He's by red, the book. He's red tape. No, but I mean that was um, that was one of those scenes where it's like a routine traffic stop just scared the hell out of me. You know, mm. I was thinking. In, at any moment, just a bullet was going to go through that guy's side window, like the passenger or the uh, driver's side door. Right. And instead, he's trying to get the gun unlocked. He's asking permission from the uh, headquarters or whatever, right? The, the precinct, I yeah. guess we call it. And then all of a sudden, we see somebody just machine gun him down. And so what happened, it just happened from a different direction. I mean, absolutely frightening. I figured the guy was dead on the spot. I thought it was pretty surprising when we reveal later that he's in the hospital, they're, they're doing surgery on him. So Doug funny vest. Yeah. I, Bulletproof vest. That, that's what that was. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, how, like, uh, how else? Oh, other than, you know, otherwise he has a superpower. He's actually 50 cent, I think. <laughs> yeah. He's able to just take a bunch of bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then, then the guy chucks the lettuce at him, which, or cabbage or what? I guess, what lettuce in the trucks. Or he just he, legitimately had lettuce. He had to get the automatic weapon from somewhere. 
Yeah, you think I, I thought maybe they're smuggling weapons under this guy a bunch is of not your average farmer. No, he's obviously a white supremacist. He's part of the white supremacy group um, called the Seventh Cavalry, and I don't know the import of the lettuce. They kind of make a few jokes about that later. And, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, sometimes lettuce is like capital, like currency. Mm. I, I doubt that's what it is. You you saw that the the driver did make – kind of tried to make a joke or it wasn't a joke at all. But he said like, well, you know, he said, can I – the, the cop said, can I see your license registration, right? Mm-hmm. And the driver said, can I see your face? And then the cop said, are you – excuse me? You know, obviously offended by that and took affront to that and took umbrage to that. And then the driver says, oh, I'm just kidding. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So you see at this point the 7th Cavalry has this problem with a power dynamic, a power imbalance between the police and maybe what they think is their militia Second Amendment rights or whatever. This show is playing with some very interesting power dynamics yeah. in that they have racist – Rorschach cult people yeah. wanting to challenge the power the power authority. This is all predicated on a premise of who watches the Watchmen from the original comic in which any any sort of power group should have some degree of restraints and some degree of accountability for their actions, right? Mm-hmm. But we, the audience, are introduced to this under very um, – I don't know. It's like really loaded – What's going on here and that like we're supposed to, of course, root for our protagonists who are the police and the police are under threat. And so we should immediately sympathize with that. But there are also some elements here of the police operating under anonymity, which seems like a very dangerous idea to me and one that maybe should be challenged by the populace. Absolutely. We also have them operating under rules of law where they are kind of attacking uh like they're brutalizing and torturing people to get information as donald rumsfeld would say it's just enhanced interrogation techniques enhanced interrogation but we do have a serious i mean in that stuff that i think probably you know sorry certain governments including the united states government have done abroad for a long time are now brought home you can label someone the police can label someone a terrorist bring him in without you know under any charges and then deny uh conversations with a lawyer you know, deny legal representation and then also use these enhanced interrogation techniques, which include possibly even death. You know, so we do have serious problems and everyone is amping up, ramping up the violence, ramping up the power. So so when, when you watch this, do you feel like you should just immediately identify solely with the, the police here? Or are you also a little bit like skeptical of like, well, there's problems. It's it's all a little bit of a gray area, and there's problems here. I was almost afraid at how much I did identify with the police. I, yeah, and I, that's because they made them sympathetic. And they, yeah, and you know we saw them ninety five percent King. of the time. <laughs> Regina King, we love her husband. We love yeah, and the the sheriff or the head, you know, chief, uh, the police chief. I don't know his name. What's his name? Uh, chief Judd Crawford, I think. Okay, Don Li- Johnson, likable guy. Lives on this Oklahoma estate with these cool light security things. Loves cocaine. Loves coke, you know, especially when he's at dinner parties with children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a bad time. I think, to I think as, as, we, as we all do. <laughs> it's the only way you can deal with kids. I yeah, think. I don't know. Again, party. those kids should not have been at that dinner party. Like, I, I'm a firm believer in boundaries. <laughs> and when you break those boundaries, you might need a sniff. Kids' table. <laughs> yeah, you know, or snort. So, um, yeah, I was scared at how much I – and it was only actually after the episode driving over here that I thought, oh, wow, there was some serious stuff going on there. 
mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe I think maybe in episodes two, three, four, five through nine, uh, we'll get into that a little bit more about why uh, they were able to ramp up that too, you know. So we'll see. Right. Uh, well, okay. Let's jump to the next scene, which was Clay. Do you like musicals? I do not like musicals. I do not like them either. I starred in my high school musical, but that's the only one I've ever watched. Go on. Hello, what? Dolly. You were in Hello, Dolly. Cornelius Hackle. Wow. You don't know. Sing. 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 Yeah. I think I've actually. I'm with Mike over here. Yeah. You sing for us. Uh, yeah. You know, I actually kissed a girl on stage. Senior year of high school is my only kiss in high school. First kiss? First and last. Oh, never kissed again. Yeah, never kissed again. Diana and I just hug. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's weird. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Huh. So that, that's all I'll say. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm fair sure. enough. I wasn't actually going to put. You I on think the spot maybe actually we will sing uh, on the Patreon account. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll do a whole rendition. Why not do a paywall? Yeah. Yeah. But don't. I don't like musicals. I we, like. I we're like, introduced to Oklahoma, or as Angela is referring to it as Black Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and it is. I mean, it looks like it's a. It's a nice. Nice budget production of Oklahoma. You, um, it was it was uh, interesting to see like Don Johnson's kind of reaction throughout the episode, where he's like, "No, I really liked it," and then like his wife's like, "Ah, oh, you're bitching about it in the intermission." Yeah. Um, but the transition from there, I didn't know if I was supposed to take anything. I'm not familiar with Oklahoma the play, except for like, oh, we're also taking place in Tulsa. Another reminder that we're in Oklahoma mm-hmm. for what's going on in here. But he gets pulled out of that for. The officer getting shot. And so there's the the whole dynamic and like the protectiveness of him, him walking down the hall with all of the different masked officers like guarding the halls. They seem to always be guarding him. He operates in the public view while all of his officers are masked. Likely so the everyone does only know one. Him and yeah. they should be able to find him, right? right. Right. So he does require a bunch of protection. Customer he complaints. Goes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He, he fields all the customer complaints. <laughs> right. And yeah. And then he goes and uh, checks on the officer and he's changing his outfit in the room. You see how he's like, he has got a bunch of uh, bullet holes mm-hmm. in him, like, like bullet wounds. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was kind of interesting, especially since we're going to have to discuss who this guy is in a bit. Mm hmm. Well, who, who, who he potentially could be. Yeah, I don't know about that, but yeah. You don't know. See, that's what that's what's so interesting. I actually don't think that. But he, he does seem like he's been in a firefight or two. Mm-hmm. He's got some wounds. Mm-hmm. The more interesting part is after he says goodbye to his employee, he goes and speaks with that guy's wife, which must always be a difficult conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I think if you're the spouse of, of a police officer... Is that, is that correct? Is that where we went next? Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, you're the spouse of a police officer. They leave for a shift. Likely the worst case scenario is that there's a knock on your door in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, I mean, nothing good happens after midnight. But she must have already been briefed that this happened before he came there. Yeah. So he wasn't breaking that awful news to her, but he was kind of talking about like the logistics of where we move on. And that's another bit where we get a, the reveal that these police officers right. are still operating in anonymity with a whole backstory of like what their profession is. What would Which, your what would your profession be, podcaster? Yeah, this is my <laughs> this is my front. Oh, I, I do a lot of work for this front. <laughs> okay, yeah, for this all being bullshit. I'm right, right, right. CIA. Out. Yeah, you came yeah. up with colons that had smiley faces in them. Yeah. Whoa. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. cute. Nice front. Yeah. No, so for uh, people that are listening, they have no idea what you just said. <laughs> colons. It actually sounds a little bit lewd. Cool. Yeah. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> let's just move on. Well, that'll be also behind the paywall. Yeah. Um. So 
I when we also had him, we had Chief Don Johnson changing his shirt. We got our first introduction to Looking Glass, Tim Blake Nelson's character, right. who's the interrogator guy who who actually seems a bit more like a true Rorschach protege in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't he feel like him? Absolutely. He feels like this grubby, gravelly-voiced weirdo dude who's got a very iconic and, in a way, almost like magical mask. Like, the fact that his his mask reflects other people really seems in line with the what-do-you-see-in-my-face idea of Rorschach's ever-shifting Rorschach pattern face mask. Yeah, and also just the way, you know, his speech, he kind of speaks in these staccato sentences. He's very fact-of-the-matter. He's just kind of moving along. I, I was so amused by how he was talking about, like, there was lettuce in the car. I think it was romaine. <laughs> then, right, uh, exactly. And then Don Johnson's like, were there croutons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's I don't think so, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, like, not even joking about anything. Yeah. But he's, he seems very weird, very intense, and I'm going to love seeing more of this character. Not, because, a ba- not a bad dude, just kind of like, you know, sometimes some people you look at and you think, eh, they'd be good at, like, a lot of different jobs. They come to you for career counseling, you're like, eh, you can do whatever you want. This guy probably could only do that job. Yeah. You know. Doesn't it feel appropriate that Lindelof and crew would take the idea of Rorschach and do a a split in the duality of, of his essence and have one one aspect of who he is go to this white supremacist group and the other go to this looking glass guy who's kind of carrying on the the upright vigilance. Right. So we have him living on through two different polarizing embodiments and his very black and white and what do you see? And, yeah. And I mean, one things actually can have dual meaning kind of thing. I, I, I think there's a great representation of that in the show. Absolutely. I mean, one absolute, one actually grocks it and the other just uses it for their own ends, which happens. Grocks you know? it. Yeah. Okay. They understand it deeply internally. Is that like a word or are you just yeah, like... Yeah, it's a word. G-R-O-K. It sounds like uh, sounds like some footwear. If we play Scrabble, you'll see me use it. <laughs> G-R-O-K, baby. Bring it on. Um, yeah, so let's then we can go ahead and uh, jump away from that. Except for there's one other scene. Sorry. Yeah, please. When he's, he's adjusting his tie, the chief, he has mirror looking glass pull down his mask so he can use it as a mirror and bends his head down and feels like very like weirdly subservient to me and like here i'll help you i mean use my mask as a mirror a half windsor is not going to tie itself (laughs) no but i thought that was kind of an adorable scene and uh, very illuminating about their relationship that there does seem to be this closeness between them and a a degree of trust yeah because there's something kind of like intimate about he actually when you're adjusting your tie and and he has that yeah that's usually something you with your wife or he he or your has son. You can't tie their tie. Uh, yeah, I right. Don't know. So our he, dads didn't do this. Yeah. So he uh he actually has this relationship with with all of his subordinates, right? Which is interesting. Uh, they all really treat him as like this kind of father, father figure. Mm-hmm. When he drove out to the spouse's house, there was this musical score going on in the background mm-hmm. that felt very John Carpentery to me. It was I, like kind of like like Halloween or something. You, know, oh, you ever yeah. see that? Like dun 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 yeah. dun dun dun. It wasn't exactly that, but it, it did feel like this this kind of creepy music that was, that, that was very ominous. And I was like, I am on board with this like synth music, but here. literally like, and also not on board, but also on edge. Yeah, I mean, you could not relax. It no. was tough. 
I tried. A lot of times I try to be like a slack-jawed idiot when I'm, when I'm you know, taking in media. And I like to just lean back, you know, mouth open, some spittle, some drool coming out, triple chin in it. I was like on edge on this one because of music and things like that. It was awesome. One other thing I wanted to note, there was a uh, news image that mm-hmm. flashed on the screen when he was talking to her as they like right before they cut screen. Yeah. And we see a picture of Mars. Mm-hmm. With a giant castle formation looking in there. In fact, we see okay, we see a castle formation. It's mm-hmm. like breaking news like on Mars, castle. and uh, yeah, sand castle on Mars. And you see this blue floating person on Mars, and that's Doctor Manhattan. And it's talking about how Manhattan is back, and I guess he's over on Mars. Because I thought like at the end of Watchmen, he's like, I'm gonna peace out. I'm gonna go like explore the rest. The rest of the galaxy. He said he was going to build life of his own. Yeah. And he so he wasn't going to just stay on Mars, but now he's back on Mars. He's pretty close. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And didn't that castle look kind of like Ozymandias's castle? It really did. Which just shows how boring and apathetic Dr. Manhattan is. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I can't imagine anything. I'm just going to... Exactly. I want to live vicariously through you, Ozymandias. You know, he can't even go create life of his own. Instead, he decided to go... Get a Netflix account. <laughs> watch the Star Trek Next Generation episode where Picard sees primordial ooze getting struck by lightning. And that's where life starts on Earth. Mm. And uh, and then he decides, I'll just go to Mars and make sandcastles and then just destroy them and knock them down over and over and over. Are you sure you didn't go and watch Prometheus? Where yeah. Lots of other gems? See, you know, I actually, I, again, <laughs> this is for another podcast. I liked that film. I have sent, like in my Gmail, I have sent emails where I break this down and I go into this. I was also in law school, so anything was good. Like any material, any media was good that was not case law. Okay. So maybe I have that right. as an excuse. But I thought that was a good movie. I think it was a good movie on first watch. And then after a little bit of critical analysis, it's just like, why would those characters do Why would they do that? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't follow this. That's you not know, true. The, those are scientists. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, um, Mike just let us know that on the video, anytime we go off topic, he's putting pictures of squids, which so seems accurate. If we have to rank Prometheus, <laughs> or do we have to put it, if we have to put it in relation to two other movies? We should put off topic on the text okay. of that image. I'm going to put it at, let's look at two other movies real quick. Not look at it. I'm just going to give you two other movies and you put it like left or right of them. We got to rank in ascending order. Okay. Okay. We have Watchmen 2009, Zack Snyder. Okay. And we have Wild Hogs. <laughs> I've never seen Wild Hogs. You, you rave about Wild Hogs all the You've time. You've never seen Wild Hogs. No, you always talk about this, and I really need to watch it. It's firmly in the middle. It's <laughs> firmly in the middle, which is not a bad place to be because nothing will ever be Wild Hogs. It's like talking about Frasier. If I had to rewatch something between just Watchmen and... And Prometheus. I'm going to watch Prometheus, I guess, because uh-huh. I just watched Watchmen and I don't want to do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, I did the ultimate cut. Man, that thing is so long. Yeah, I know. You did do that. Okay, so hey, so we now leave uh, yeah, the, chief, the chief of police. We're introduced to Angela. Okay, thank God. We finally get her. She is a chef at a bakery and she's at a school for career day. She's teaching the kiddos how to make uh or how to separate eggs for the baking process yeah i don't know if she's like teaching them about meringues or something oh interesting yeah uh, no i mean ba- but you know we did see some racial undertones there with the the eggs the egg yolk and the egg white and the fact that you know the egg 
egg yolk protein is destroyed if it's mixed with the egg white or something, right? Right, right. And that's kind of like Rorschach's mask. And he, in, in the Watchmen comic book, I don't know if people are familiar, but he talks about the fact that, you know, you have black and white and never the two or never shall. What, how, how does that go? Never the two shall mix. I think there's a twain in there. Yeah. Never the twain shall. <laughs> never the, yeah. Anyway, so pretty interesting. We also see a sweet poster behind her. This is a, an elementary school classroom mm-hmm. and it shows that uh, Robert Redford has been the president for a while now. It went Nixon, Ford, Rob. Did, did, was Ford in there? Yeah. Oh, because it was Well, like... no, he was not on the poster because that the poster was just four notable presidents is what it said. But oh. the, at the dinner party later, they talk about presidents and the kids are, are kind of talking about uh, the what, – what, not lineage. What's it called? You know, presidents in order. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the sequence of, of presidents. Yeah, dead pres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, so, they, so they went Nixon, Ford, and then they did Bobby Redford. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting seeing that that he's legit the president, and that there's something called what would that could say Redford Redfordations, which Redfordations. is like a playoff of reparations, and also it's obviously a, a, a like an Obamacare thing, right? Right. You have these white people mad at something that's uh, probably for for a good reason. So that's just how it goes. Sorry, for a good reason or for a bad reason? What did I say? And it depends for on who good. you are. Okay. <laughs> okay. Appropriate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we also get introduced to the fact that she's there for take your, or like parents like teaching about stuff because she has a kid, Topher, yeah. who's in that class who is a brawler and will go attack someone on behalf of his mom. That's pretty dope. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It was kind of like, um, uh, what's the show where that kid, oh yeah. Do you remember, um, in Barry when that little kid was, uh, just this... <laughs> the feral ninja kid? Yeah, that was super sweet. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> that, that, that. This kid reminded me of that feral kid. Yeah. Which is one of the best episodes of Barry ever. When they are driving back, they're driving home. The kid's got a little bit of a bloody nose. We see that it starts raining squids. Yeah. That's do, crazy. Do you want to maybe give people some background information if they have not watched the comic? I mean, that's why they're listening to you right now. Sure. So at the very end of Watchmen, the comic book, not the movie, there is a an attack, a terrorist attack that's orchestrated. But for most of the populace, they're unaware of where. But there's a giant tentacle squid-like creature that lands in New York. It looks like an alien from another world. And then it's it, huge. it it's explodes huge. with psychic energy that blasts and basically fucks up the minds of every living person on the planet, especially those who are more susceptible to being sensitive, sensitive people. And that's going to live on with them. But the whole intent of this was that this was during the Cold War and by having an alien attack, the theory was that this would be a unifying force for the the whole the whole world to set down nuclear arms and come together and try and work on fortifying themselves against alien threats right and so now squids still seem to be in some degree present and they also operate in a really weird way there's raining squid uh-huh. which feels Biblical end of days kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. But it also, we see that these squid, when they land, they start immediately dissolving. Yeah. So they're not holding their form. It's a car wash. It seems like a temporary, like almost like a hallucination or something. I don't know. But 
Obviously, they're real enough that like they have to be washed yeah, off. Yeah, they need to be squeegeed. So I don't know if it's a hallucination, what but it is pretty strange. stinky city they must live in. <laughs> yeah. Or a stinky world that like it rains these well, rotting squids. And did you see there. behind the students, there was a poster of squids. It was kind of the anatomy of a squid, which uh, you generally wouldn't see. Right. You know, but here I guess squids play more important uh, – cephalopods are, are important. Um, yeah, no, really interesting. And and we'll see what goes on with that. I mean, I don't think it's a hallucination. It's definitely real, at least real to them, which I guess that is a hallucination. Right. But uh, we'll see what that means. And I think that also introduces Vate. But are we there yet? No, because Angela gets home. We re- we find out she's got she's got her husband. She's got three kids. Abraham's her husband. Do you mind if I bring up an interesting part of this? When she pulls up to the house, did there was a flag outside hanging from their door, and it had circular stars. Yeah. When we look in at the flag that was inside chief police chief whatever his name was you keep saying john what's his name uh judd crawford yeah yeah okay crawford's office we had the more typical like stars and stripes oh so you had the old school one yeah and then they had the circular one at their house mm. interesting and then we find out that whenever she is speaking to the students as part of the bring your parent to work day that vietnam's a state yeah, yeah, And that's something to talk about too really quickly just to mention for people not familiar with the comic book. Uh, in the comic book, because of the aid of certain superheroes, um, Dr. Manhattan being the one that was the most important, the United States won the Vietnam War. It was never it was never discussed, I think, at least for me and the Watchmen, but I guess maybe now Vietnam is a, is a United State. They have it mentioned in like background images, little posters and stuff in the background of the Watchmen comic. So it is established that, yes, uh, Vietnam is a 51st state. So, yeah, there's a new flag. It's still very eye-catching, if not more so, with the the blue circle and the stars and stripes. But I think that um, it may, maybe there's something kind of telling about this idea that for him, like he still kind of holds on to the old flag, and for her, she's of the new generation and she's comfortable with flying the new flag. Yeah, or maybe or maybe what, he, what it symbolizes. Or maybe he has to have the old flag because that's it's his job. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, he seemed like he is a pretty interesting guy. He's loved by his his police officers. So yeah, for sure. You know, right. he seemed like an interesting guy and, and I mean, well, this is a spoiler alert, but man, too bad he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got we definitely got to dive into that a little bit more. But before that, we have some other things. She gets a text that uh little bighorn Yep. Is the alert on her text that has no significance to me. But we do get a date for when everything is taking place. This is September 9th, 2019. That is Now we have a, a frame of reference for what exact time period we're in. Uh, basically now, a month ago. <laughs> yeah. And um, in the background, she lives on Constitution Street. Yeah. I don't think that matters really. But I saw it said Constitution well, Street. Well, Lindelof does stuff for, you know, he has a reason for everything. But All yeah, right. interesting. This world also has blimps. We see a flying blimp, which also is kind of making me wonder. We have the events of uh, with Dr. Manhattan. We have the Minutemen. We know that at some point, this is a world that was very similar to our own, but kind of splinters off. You ever see that, that show? I think it's called Counterpart Counterpart on Stars. It's got nope. um, you lost me with J.K. Stars. Simmons in it. Nope. Anyway, this idea that like scientists were playing with some sort of technology that like split two worlds apart, but there was this underground doorway that they found they could like connect the two worlds, they could pass between one and the other, and like they started charting all the differences between them. Quantum leap? <laughs> no, uh, but it, in a way, it, it sort of feels like this okay. in that like there's a lot of a lot of duality, a lot of similarity, but with 
if the Zeppelin never, if the Hindenburg never exploded, say in this world, maybe there wouldn't be such an aversion to hydrogen blimps all the time. Apart from football games. Right. Yeah. Now we only have them at football games. Yeah. But yeah, we see the blimps flying around. They're very iconic as well in Watchmen. I really think the, the CEOs of, of Goodyear never got the memo on, on, on the other famous blimp, you know, the famous blimp explosion. Yeah. Because they just keep having these blimps at football games. Still living the dream, man. Yeah. It's just willful ignorance at this point. Get it together, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. But uh, the blimps are advertising American Hero Story, which, de- which will debut September 10th, I guess, the next day. And that's the one that's going to dive into all of the the backstory of the the Minutemen and probably in some way both sensationalize and bastardize their stories. Yeah. Um, not get everything correct. But it's it's funny that that those those heroes are getting immortalized in the media narrative of the modern day and we get to kind of see bits and pieces of that. In a cartoon. Uh, no, I mean we're actually see some live action scenes. That was that was part of what took place in one of the trailers. You see, oh really? Put a justice. Bur- bus oh no, but I mean, whenever we saw uh, the police officer's house, they were watching. They were know, watching. There, there was it, it was like animated. An yeah, it was cool. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so when she's walking through Tulsa, mm-hmm. what'd you get? What'd you think of like the sense of the the community, the town, the spirit? F- freaked me out. You know, really just felt. I mean, especially with the blimp. With for some reason, even the bus, I think I was just on edge. And just I just everything kinda, felt a little discordant? It just felt a lot. Well, it just felt really kind of 1984. Just too much power going on. It just didn't feel like you could ever relax. You had to watch what you say. We have police officers hiding their faces. We have these militiamen. You know, it just freaked me out. And of course, she's walking. And she's walking to a really cute bakery. And so it should just kind of be like Gilmore Girls, right? You know. But instead, I was like on edge, waiting for somebody's head to get blown off. So just kind of dealt with that anxiety. Um, yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, but hey, really cute. Uh, it was, what was it? Milk and Hono- Hanoi. Milk and Hanoi. Like milk and Honey, which was just super cool. The, the name of her little secret bat layer bakery, which is a front. Yeah. And I mean, you had the sweet flag with the croissant there. Really reminded me, I don't know if anyone has ever been to San Francisco on Valencia Street. Um, there's a certain great coffee shop there and it kind of has the like Sith, like the the Russian thing, like the, what's that? Like Scythe. The, thing. Yeah, yeah, Scythe, yeah. whatever. Anyway. Interesting. I wonder if they took it from there. Huh. We later see a, a scythe that's holding up a pirate flag in the trailer. Not in this episode, but there was a trailer where that had Ozymandias riding around on a horse, and there was a scythe holding up a pirate flag. So that's unrelated to no, no, no. what you happen to see in yeah, San Francisco. I, and while you were talking about that, I just opened up some scotch, so I wonder if people heard the sweet cork on that. So oh. Yeah, we're giving people good information. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. also says howdy. I guess he's kind of posting up there. He seems to be, in a way, on the lookout for her, and he's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be interacting in the near future. So I, I don't know. He, he says – he makes a comment like, do, do I look like I could lift 200 pounds? And Which seems like, totally innocuous. Yeah, she's like, sure, dude, whatever. I don't know what up with that. But I, I think that's going to come into play with you know the end of this episode and later on. Because this guy is the guy who called her, and he's the one who's like hanging out by the body. I don't know. Yeah? Yeah. Possession is nine-tenths. Well. No, really, really interesting. And I mean, that was just, and you know when you saw him. Just be kind of, the, you know, the caliber of the actor he is and everything. Like, it was good. He was going to be there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Her car is sweet. 
Her is car it? with the black tinted windows. Oh, okay, not not the not the Acura she pulled up with. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, no, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Her, her superhero car, her sister night superhero car for sure. Like everything, just black all on the outside, and it just looks. It looks pretty. Do you know tight. what that's called? What murdered out? Murdered out? Yeah. Uh, Somebody's car's murdered out. All right, all right. Th- that's what I learned living in the mean streets of San Jose, California. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but in San Jose, California, murdered out is what you say. Uh, her just going into that trailer park area. And knocking that dude the fuck out, throwing him in the trunk. Which had Richard Nixon, a statue of Richie. Yeah. With his with his two victories up. I mean, it was awesome. That's a Richard Nixon trailer park. For sure. You can you can get the sense of the people there. Lots of cigarettes are sold there. The the tightness of the shots, the pacing, the the beat, beat, beat of her hopping out of the car, popping the trunk, going in there, kicking the door, punching the guy, closing the trunk, driving off. It was just all edited so well. It really was. And it, also her, it had the impact it needed. Her getting dressed too for that. Yeah. It it elicited a sweet joke from Diana where she said, You always gotta take your anal beats. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It felt it felt very intense though. Like I was like I was into it. I was I was amped up and yeah. I, I buy into her having the immediate ass kicking power of ki- like kicking indoors and just no regrets. Just and also, right in, 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 and later on, you know, there were questions. How did you know it was this guy? How did you know he had information? And she has a pretty sweet line. You may know. I mean, your memory is better than mine. She goes, I got a nose for white supremacy and he smells like bleach. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I um, wrote it down. It was such oh, a good yeah, line. Yeah. So, you know, the question there is, how did she actually know? I know that she, this is, I mean, I don't know if people know this. She's obviously a superhero or she's kind of, she doesn't, she wears a mask, but it's different than the rest of the police officers who wear masks. She actually has a whole getup, mm. right? And she works with the you police. You say Red Scare's got a whole getup with his red jumpsuit and red mask. Yeah, I'm kind of ignoring this guy. Seems very Russian. <laughs> yeah, he likes his, uh, he likes his Danishes, which so do I. Yeah. Um, and I wonder what's her kind of underground like? I mean, how did she get this information? What's she doing nine to five? She right? does seem like she's still maintaining very much the domestic life, juggling three kids. I don't imagine that she's a shut in like Batman who's constantly like sourcing information and making dossiers on every single individual in town or something crazy like that. Absolutely right? not. Yeah. She, she has, watches the she watches the voice with her husband. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she has to be able to operate and, and balance these worlds, but she must still always have an ear to the ground. And also just kind of a sense of people who would be immediately problematic and would have a relationship with that group because that is a nemesis of them. Mm-hmm. And she is – she's clearly called in as a as a specialist to some degree. She's not just an ordinary beat cop. She is one of the, the few who wear a very iconic vigilante police officer costume and she must – like they're like, let's hold off on calling her because mm-hmm. – She's a bit of a force of nature when we bring her in, but she's also very skilled and she is someone who commands respect. Absolutely. I mean, she gets the job done in times like this. You kind of need someone like that. I mean, she's I don't that's true. she gets the job done in advance of, of the, um, article the big, four. Yeah. The article four being issued by yeah. the chief and that whole scene with them in the bleachers in that, in that room, all the officers tough to watch. It feels. It reminds me a little bit of like V for Vendetta or like this kind of like fascist regime with the the stark 
concrete, like solid building structure and the very symmetrically framed um, police in the bleachers, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, the whole thing like just felt a little bit claustrophobic and yet in like a big room. Yeah, it felt like my teeth getting broken. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're a freedom lover, you don't really want to see stuff like that. But you also have that immediately um, juxtaposed and reflected in the symmetry of the 7th Cavalry as mm-hmm. they're doing their like terrorist uh, list of demands or whatever kind of video that they're playing there. Those guys are also standing in a church and they are like set up very symmetrical as it does that pan out. Like whoever they have doing the 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 filming for the Seventh Cavalry when they're mm-hmm. making their little videos, got a good eye for for filming. He, he's going to go places. Yeah, he or she did very great lighting on their masks. That's not easy to do. Yeah, that's that's professionally done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. they're going places. They should they should be hitting up uh, some of the local film clubs. That's a good intern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They did not pay that guy enough. Didn't Ben Affleck and Matt Damon do like this, you know, this special this where they would like help people get green? Yeah. What is the, it actually it, called Greenlight? Project, Project Greenlight? Yeah. Maybe there's a future. Yeah. <laughs> this person. I don't know. Yeah, no. So that was obviously a difficult time. And, and we see there the mono-e-mono kind of nature of this where obviously the whole, the whole TV show started with a cop getting shot. Mm. Right. I mean, not shot once, but shot like 20 times in the chest. Right. And we see it ramping up. And the police chief says something like, you know, they've been underground for three years. We kind of lulled ourselves into thinking that this was over. But now it seems like the 7th Cavalry is back. So this is a racist militia in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and maybe across the country. Right. Mm. Um, that now the police, local police is having to do something about. And uh, and we'll see where it goes from here. But wow, tough to watch. Everyone hates Panda. Also good to note. Yeah, the militiamen hate Panda, the racists hate Panda, the cops hate Panda. That guy has a lonely existence of just a bunch of probably, what are those microwavable dinners? Uh, yeah. Hungry Man? Lean Cuisine, Hungry Man. Yeah, he just go. goes home and eats a Hungry Man. Man, God. poor fucking Panda. He burns the brownie. You know those brownies are always so hot and those kids, those kids. Uh, Mike likes Panda, yeah. he says. Yeah. Yeah. And, and But Panda doesn't even wash his Panda head. It's pretty scuzzy. He's looking a little bit filthy. And he seems to have, like, phoned it in on outfit. He's like, I'll have a costume, too. I got this from Target. And I'm Panda Head now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, good for you, dude. He got I that Panda it. Head used. I have, a, I have a binder. He's like Leslie Nope of superheroes. He's like, right. we got to follow the binder. Right. Uh, all right. So right before we they call a break on the whole police meeting, they speak some Latin. And yeah. they say... I'm going to bastardize this, but it's basically something like, Kies custodias ipsos custodas. Who watches the Watchmen? Yep. And then they follow it up with nos costadimus, which is we watch. Yeah. Felt a little weird that, like, once you translate it, I translate it and then I went, uh. It's always <laughs> nice to have, it's always nice to have the judge, jury, and executioner in <laughs> one individual or one party. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys not understand what that that statement means? Because you guys are the power institution, right? You guys are the the law. You're the you're enforcement. Don't be like you watch the what whatever. It just seemed it felt a little icky. It felt like a weird co opting of that phrase by the like one of the two groups that should not be co opting that. Almost like when like Trump that power should took be... fake news and then co opted it and made it into something different. <gasps> 
Or we can do another hundred examples of that. But sure. Yeah. Almost exactly like that. It hurt and it didn't make sense. And you kind of knew what they were saying, even if you don't really translate it. Right. And yeah. When we get to the office, Sister Knight is chilling already in in Chief Judd's office. And she's drinking from an owl cup. Exhibit A. Clay. Well, and I have an this owl cup. I have this on my my cubes. I have I we you know I don't know if people have listened to us or watched us. You're gonna have to explain cubes. I absolutely will. So they're sugar cubes, green sugar cubes, made several you know reoccurring appearances in the Watchmen comic book. Right. They I guess would you actually consider them maybe a top five character? Probably not. Um. It's got to be up there. Yeah. I mean, you've sold me on the world of the cubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not, pretty. It's pretty cute. If not five, it's you know number six. Right. Um, just you know, it doesn't really. It's just things we like to see, things we look out for. Uh, it doesn't add anything to the plot, but it's just something that's kind of a visual feast, if you will. It's an Amelie moment. Yeah. Okay. So that was an that was a sugar cubes that that kind of garnered a sugar cubes award. Also, the book on his desk was under the hood. Which was written by Mr. Mason. <gasps> of course, he would the have that. I didn't notice that, man. But exhibit B, and a lot of exhibit B is also this. a Cubes Award. And, so. and evidence mounting to what, Grant? One listener might say who has not read the Watchmen comic. And let me just tell you, there is a character in the Watchmen called Night Owl. He's actually one of the lead characters, if not the the heart of the comic book. And he is a a Batman ancillary type figure. He's a, a wealthy tinkerer with a bunch of um, tools, and he's modeled himself after an owl. He has a ship called Archie, which is an owl ship, which we end up seeing Chief Judd flying around without any acknowledgement of why he happens to have that ship. But he doesn't have Dan Dryberg's name. That was the name of Night Owl. But it, but at the very end of the comic book, Watchmen, he and his girlfriend at the time, Silk Spectre, whose name is uh, Laurie Jupiter, Laurie Giuseppic, they've both changed their names. So they've they've already existed in a world where they're they're using the pseudonyms. Yeah, yeah. So it's not far fetched for us to believe that this guy has adopted a new pseudonym, and he is our original Night Owl. He is Dan Dryberg, but he's now. Uh, Chief of Police, Judd Crawford. It's also not far-fetched to think that after the end of The Watchmen, maybe Dan shared his schematics with people. Local police. <laughs> Everyone's offices. just gotten a little owl ship here and Everybody there. has an Archie. Why not? Maybe. If we end up seeing more Archies up here, then yes. Okay, cool. But So we're I, now. are we now on Archie Watch? I think we're on Archie Watch. We yeah. got to see what's going on with this thing. Yeah. I, I just am kind of suspecting... That more is going on there than initially appears. I think you're probably right. It just doesn't seem like the Dan we know from the comics would wear a cowboy hat. It just it just didn't seem like him. I just think it's kind of just a fan. He he went through. He got a new lease on life. He's a guy that could have bullet holes from his his super crime fighting days. Not even from being a chief of police. Yeah, but he he moved to this town. He's doing a. He's like Christian Walker from Powers. He's a guy who used to have superpowers, but then he's no longer, and he's just becoming a regular police detective. That's from Powers the Comic Book. Or Mayor 100 from Ex Machina. 
He's a guy who has superpowers and can talk to machines. That's a Brian K. Vaughn comic book. And then he decides, I'm giving up my powers. I'm just going to go ahead and <laughs> oh, or the squids are back. Am I going off tangent? That's a warning that we are <laughs> off topic. <laughs> off topic. And that this is going a little long. But he also becomes a mayor. No, he, look, like, if, I, I, I like this idea of changing your vocation, but keeping it in line with this, this idea that you still want to champion um, trying to help the people as a civic servant sure. and also enforcing law. Look, if he is, I'm happy. If he isn't, I'm happy. Well, I'm, I'm not happy he died. Right. But yeah. Okay. Uh, so after shooting the shit a little bit about black Oklahoma and uh, um, Article 4, she talks about how she has the perp in her trunk. They go take him out, and then it's like, oh, it's time for Looking Glass to do his interrogation technique in the pod. What'd you take? What'd you make of this? Really interesting. Great. What is it called? Filmography. Film. Great pacing. Great framing. Yeah. This. The images were just incredible. It kind of reminded me. Have you seen uh, the newer, the newest Blade Runner? Yeah. Whenever he's getting twenty forty nine. Oh man. Yeah. When he's getting. I mean that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, sorry. I know. Put up. Put the squids up on the screen. I don't care. <laughs> but no, 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 no. <laughs> but but remember when he comes back into the when he comes back into the precinct. He has to get tested and they're looking at the way his eyes move and stuff like that. He's mm-hmm. answering those questions. Same kind of thing here. You know, and I knew that this guy behind the mask was checking him out to see like were worse pupils looking at these certain things and everything. It was awesome. It was really cool. The fact yeah. that he's doing rapid fire questioning and he's, he, it doesn't really matter. Like lie as much as you want. I'm, I'm able to actually tell your bullshit because I'm Tim Roth from Lie, lie to Me. And one of the lot. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> you, I don't know what you're saying there, but okay. This is a TV show. Okay. One of the and one of the questions he asked was, "Do you think that the squids are, you know, the transdimensional squid thing is a cover up by the United States government?" Yeah, and, and the guy says, "Maybe." And I kind of thought, I kind of identified with the guy there a little bit. I was like, "Do I think that the you know nine uh, eleven was an inside job? Maybe, but I'm not crazy, you know." Loose change. Yeah, I still pay. I still pay my taxes and stuff. I'm a normal guy, but I think maybe. So I kind of thought, huh? Okay, I like this guy. As far as I know, jet fuel can't melt steel beams like that. Yeah, I believe in that. So, um, you know, it was really, really interesting just the way the questions were and just showing these Americana kind of scenes interspersed with like, you know, you saw like Harriet, like I don't know, like underground railroad scenes and And slavery scenes, swastikas. So you saw, yeah, it was was a crazy juxtaposition. It felt very much like. Um, a clockwork orange for sure. The, the eyes open, like torture scene. Yeah. I think there was also a scene in lost where they're using a lot of these rapid images, um, in like the fifth it was season. like a Dharma initiative. Yeah. Thing. yeah well, yeah. they're doing like a, a torture thing of Ben, Benjamin Linus's daughter, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like something that Lindelof and gang would like to play with as well here. And the fact that looking glass seems pretty effective with it. Makes him all the more interesting of a character. I just want to see more of that guy. I want to dive more into his world. Yeah. When they let him go, the perp, if we can, if I can be so bold perp, as to perp walk. call him a perp. Yeah. When they let him go, I thought, oh, they're going to let him out of the room. They're going to just tail him because they know he's guilty and they're just going to see where he goes next. Yeah. So for all sudden things to switch gears and Sister Knight throws him into a room and then beats him and starts presumably waterboarding him because there's a bunch of water pouring out. It didn't look like blood. It looked like a bunch of water pouring out. There was some blood too. A little bit of blood too. But it seems like she's just doing rapid fire, like torture. I'm going to beat the information out of you. You're going to tell me. Um, That was one of those 
another one of those jarring moments where it's like, oh, this is a game changer on like these are our protagonists. These are people we're rooting for. But how comfortable am I in going down this path where I'm championing them when they're doing stuff that I like, like even if even if they do get the information, it's through fucked up means. Is it worth it? Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm like it, you're it, compromising on a certain degree of integrity that you ought to have. And then we find out at the end that all they were really doing was they were stealing watch batteries. So you're going to kill a guy over some watch batteries. He just loves – they love watch batteries. <laughs> they do. They're just collectors. These are pogs essentially. They're, they're collecting their their mighty mugs or their, their Funko Pop Cap characters. Yeah. yeah, they want a bigger slammer. Yeah. Can't blame them. Yeah, no, that was uh, – and I think we talked about – we touched on this earlier. But yeah, obviously we're seeing now just a ramping up of both militia presence and – and. Uh, and police power with yeah. police brutality and how comfortable are we seeing, you know, even like, let's say there's a crackdown right now in Santiago, you know, there's a curfew military's out. It's, it's awful. How comfortable are we seeing that anywhere? And of course, Hong Kong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we just see police violence and ramping up against protesters. What, you know, it's just touches on this show touches on race and the, power, everything. The creators know yeah. they're playing with that with us. They, they know they're going to make us, a little bit uncomfortable and challenge our our viewpoints, challenge our, our biases and make us kind of have to waffle back and forth about like where do I where do my allegiances lie with these characters? Because fuck yeah, I want to root for Regina King, but also you just waterboarded it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but she does have a rifle in her Oh man, that was so sweet. That's cool. Her headboard, or she just like knocks it and like, grabs that. I was watching that with Britt, and she's like, "What if you like accidentally bump into that? You get like knocked by a shotgun?" I'm I, like, no, it's like a two-handed. System. And this is gonna be a per- this is gonna be a personal spoiler. I I intimated that that might happen. That might be a kink. When I lived with <laughs> when I lived with 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 you and your wife for a quick minute after the Peace Corps, right? You were on a business trip one night, and don't worry, the story's not going where you're I, afraid it might. I know, I know exactly where it's going. <laughs> and Brittany slept with a butcher knife under her pillow. A, insinuating that she thinks you're more of a man than I am, and that, you know, you could defend her better than I could. Maybe she was afraid of you. Okay, that's true. And she still is, probably, for good reason. <laughs> and B, that's pretty dangerous. I mean, you didn't have kids at the time, thank God. No, that's stupid. Yeah, I wouldn't want a butcher knife under the pillow also, ever. Also, we were living, like, on a third-floor apartment. Yeah. Like with some weird narrow, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the ideal place to try and like rob. Either way, I don't know why Brittany's having problems with that because that actually seems like the natural progression for her. Yeah. (laughs) You know, butcher knife to now rifle in the bed. Let's go. You just need a shotgun right there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So when we, we're we're going to the big bust. Yeah. They're they're scoping out the joint. We got the cult, the Rorschach cult, the 7th Cavalry. They're getting the lithium batteries. And I thought, oh, man, are they also, like, all on meth? They're all taking these meth pills? Me too. Yeah, for sure. Um, We get a reveal later. Those aren't meth pills. Those are uh, poison pills. Vape pills. Yeah, it's just like Adrian Vape with the poison pills. So that's obviously a a callback, a reference. I mean, it's not a a one-to-one parallel, but... It, for anyone who's read the comic, they're obviously doing a wink and a nod to the the poison pill that he uses in like issue six. Yeah, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but yeah, these there, there's one thing to kind of think like there's this white supremacist club, this cult that's kind of like club. 
Well, it's a cult, but it's also like kind of a club. Like Do they these, pay dues. These guys love just kind of hanging out and like. They they have a cause, but like how they how just, much do they believe into it? They just love hanging out and killing non-white people. But when you are taking poison pills to keep the secrets yeah. of the club, that's a that's a full-on dangerous like zealotry. And they have a plane. On. I mean, and so it seems like they're obviously connected to other sects or other cells. I guess you could say out there. I, I thought those little planes are probably storing um, heroin in Virgin Mary. Uh, yeah, statues. right. A little throwback. It's another last thing. Yeah, a little Cessna one. Ta- little... No, no, not the squids. <laughs> so let me tell you about the Cessna one seventy two. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean that was an, in just to really quickly twenty mm-hmm. seconds plot synopsis. There, they find out from the enhanced interrogation technique, if we can call it that, that they are on a cattle ranch. Yeah. We then have the superpower figures, or the super not superpower. Sorry, I guess superhero masked figures. Uh, assemble and in, you know, kind of not infiltrate, but they yeah they they infiltrate. I mean, they're I hiding. They're, hi- they're hiding behind cows. We get into a horrific. That was fucked up. It was awful. And and I remember I turned to Diana at some at one point and I said she's running out of cow. Yeah, <laughs> because they were machine gunning cow corpses. Just how it's like this cow being torn apart by these massive bullets. Peta is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it was, it was so fucking gross. It was it was awful. And but eventually they were she's able to do her superpower, superhero thing. I mean, I keep saying superpower, she doesn't actually have it. Her she's only, basically John Wick, her it su- seemed like. Oh my god. And she actually did a she actually did a John Wick throw there. She did. Or she kind of catapulted over him. Classic John Wick too. She sprinted like fucking lightning up to their car while they're reloading the the machine gun thing. Yeah. Brings her gun up, just cracks one bullet right through the head of one guy, leaps up onto the car like it's nothing, and goes to start fighting the other guy, gets thrown to the ground, and then just kicks him over the car. I was like, yes. Super cool. That's the kind of way I like a fight to go. Although I feel like John Wick wouldn't fall for the – he would look around the corner before just like running through that Well, because he has that really sweet way of holding the gun with two hands and turning quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's classic Wick. He bends bullets too. It's, uh, It's like wanted. Another comic reference. Never mind. Are you thinking of Are you thinking of Keanu Reeves with Matrix? No, you remember that movie bending bullets, with uh, kind of the, Well, they do bending bullets. Yeah, we're pure squid mode right now. Let's just comic move on. Book wanted. We're pure squid. Squids. Let's squeegee the squids and get to the and get to the plot. So there was, there was a little poster of Dollar Bill in yeah, there was. the trailer. Yeah. Felt a little weird. Felt very weird. And so basically, she's trying to get information from this terrorist and as, you, off as you would as you would call the sheriff a club member, <laughs> somebody who's just paying their dues, they're just hanging out in somebody's garage watching the college football game. So you know she 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 goes. It was it was a no it was a no girls allowed club, like yeah, a, yeah. basically a treehouse. Remember, there's there's good people on both sides. So she she uh, she she wants to get information from this guy, and he takes a pill, kills himself. He's frothing at the mouth like like uh, like what's that dog? Cujo. Cujo, okay, and uh, and so she gets no information, and then we see the plane take off, and we think, shit, they're going to get away with. They were getting all these watch batteries, which was interesting, and kind of a lithium like for the, some lithium bomb, flat. or yeah, who knows? And then we find out that our sheriff is up in Archie. I wrote earlier on in my notes: Is Don Johnson in Archie? Because I was like looking at all these like little monitor screens that he has, and I'm like, that totally reminds me of like. The images we would see in the comic book of Archie when Night Owl's operating in there. For sure. It but was there so fun. does seem to be I was thrown off a little when they were in there and Pirate Jenny, who's the other girl with the mask that was in the, the in Archie with him, is like 
move out of the way. I got the controls, and she seemed to have a little bit more familiarity with Archie than he did. Yeah. Because I'm like, if that's Night Owl, he fucking built that. He should know it more than anyone. Yeah. But she she seemed like maybe in a way she was his his protege on the technical side with Edward. Well, if I'm right, if she's if he's Night Owl, then she is going to be a little bit of a successor with with uh, maybe the gizmos and gadgets. He's not Night Owl, but yeah, go he's ahead. He's got to be Night Owl. No. I it's too it's too heavy handed. Here's here's what I'm gonna say. Uh, Archie crashes. And it's it's kind of this brutal crash where they were getting thrown all around. I'm like, no, he's got to be fucked up and dead or turned to mush in there. They pop out, of course, because superhero TV show. Why not? Um, Built for tough. Regina King gives this. Oh shit! I love it. That is so delightful. In juxtaposition to cows just getting massacred, some of their police officers getting shot in the field and dying, presumably. Um, but it was this moment of levity of what, that she's so excited that he survived that crash. That I was just like, I was smiling too. I was like, I what a good it. way to deliver. It's like they're just going to the vending machine, getting a Snickers bar and just joking around. <laughs> yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ozymandias, we get, we get the weird, weird, weird scene with Ozymandias at the castle. But I mean, for people, again, act like no one has ever watched our comic book shows. Right. Ozymand- Who is Ozymandias? Jeremy, Jerry, Jeremy Irons, the older English gentleman who's riding on horseback into a castle. He is obviously playing Adrian Vate On the screen right now, he's in a robe and a diaper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which he's, he's in his meditation pose, or he's riding on a horse there. And these, he's very much Adrian Vate, older now. But Adrian Vate plays Ozymandias in the comics. Uh, that's his the smartest, super Nero, superhero. The student. smartest man in the world, the richest man in the world. Yep. And he is a force to be reckoned with. If we go a little bit into spoiler territory, he is the one who orchestrates the giant squid. And he's the reason for a lot of the ramifications of dropping a giant squid and like, hey, you're trying to bring everyone together, but did it fully work out? Is everything as harmonious as you want? I'm guessing not. in Lindelof's view... No. <laughs> Not in Tulsa, at least. <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't make everyone live in harmony just because you drop a squid. There's a, there's a whole other layer of like shit that people have not figured out on this planet mm-hmm. and race relations and just tension between power structures. It's always going to be a problem. Just like Dr. Manhattan says at the end of the Watchmen comic, nothing ever ends. Yeah. Everything is cyclical. Him showing, like Lindelof showing the race riots at the very beginning is very intentional because they're showing this cyclical nature of these problems cropping up. And whether it's the social anxiety of Cold War tensions or the social anxiety of race relations, um, these things are a dropping a squid is just a a temporary band aid on a, a big wound that needs something else proper to to heal this. Put a squid on it. That's put a new, squid on. That's it. the new hashtag for 2019. Yeah. Uh, so, so hashtag put a squid on it. So we see Vate. He's riding a horse. It's he's in Ireland or the UK or something, right? The beautiful castle. Yeah. He then he's got his servants. He, it seemed like his his one servant lady was giving him a blowy, and then I was like, oh wait, no, you're nah. just rubbing his leg muscles. <laughs> okay, so I he, didn't know what was going on. There. He's the master of his domain. We know he's quirky. He is naked after that. He's typing on an old typewriter. Mm-hmm. He's in complete control of his surroundings. He th- we then find out that his two servants servants are probably androids. I thought they were robots at first. They're for sure robots. 
because at one point he's handing um he's like here use this to cut the cake and it's a horseshoe and he's like ah oh, fucking dummy robot exactly thanks for this it needs to be a knife but they're celebrating a one year anniversary they're like let's celebrate an anniversary but there's like very notably one giant candle on it it was of his disappearance we saw earlier in a newspaper that i think whenever she was walking to the bakery it said he's confirmed dead or he's been oh, he's, there dis- was- he's he's been absent for he's disappeared a year ago or something oh. so i think maybe that was his one year disappearance where he faked his death I'm not I sure. I thought maybe the newspaper was like I didn't like pause to look at it properly. I did see that newspaper thing and I was like, "Oh, he's dead." So maybe this is a flashback to right before he died. I thought I that's I, what we I, were I getting. think I think maybe he faked his death. Maybe I could be wrong. I've been wrong a lot. However, I will say that if people do revisit maybe issue 11, our podcast on that issue, I said that in his terrarium or vivarium, those three servants were robots, and I was laughed out of town. I actually had to move to uh, college. He used poison on them. I had to move to College Station, Texas. <laughs> you did. Where, the idiots, where, where the idiots live. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, no. And, uh, and no, so now actually it's come full circle. Well, I think Lindelof heard this podcast and decided to cast these characters as robots to fulfill my uh, expectations. It does feel like they're robots. I agree there. And him being the smartest man in the world, he could probably make some fucking robots that could be servants for him. But... The characters, I know that one of the actors is Tom Meissen, the the guy, the butler guy. Yeah. And I also know from behind the scenes stuff no. that he and she are going to be playing some pretty significant characters from the, the comics that came after Watchmen. Do we need to do a paywall... No, I like the word paywall. We can do some Patreon specials. Are we doing are we doing freemium gaming? It feels so dirty when you say like paywall. I'll say freemium gaming. Okay. (laughs) Pay pay to play. Pay to listen. Uh no, but we should we should actually go ahead and check out those comics because I guess to a little bit of an extent he's drawing some reference there. And I just know it because that actor, Tom Meissen, he used to be from uh, Sleepy Hollow. He was uh, Ichabod Crane from the TV show Sleepy Hollow. I'm like, oh, it's him without a ponytail. He did look familiar there. And so he and she are playing a very significant, uh, I don't know if they're like crime fighting duo. <laughs> oh, you give it, uh, we, we have a hashtag now. It's yeah, put a squid, put on, a squid it. on it. <laughs> yeah, so Great. for sure, uh, visit that behind the paywall coming right. up. Uh, we're building walls here. They might be robots, though. Yeah, they might be robots, and and we don't know what he's up to, but we know that he's doing something, and he's and living this perfect, sweet life with these two robots. They got him a gift of a pocket watch, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put, uh, I'm going to put plays in the same category as musicals. Not necessarily for me, but he wrote one called The Watchmaker's Son, which must be about his love affair with Doctor Manhattan. Exactly. And meanwhile, Doctor Manhattan's making castles of him. Is what do you think? Now that we now that you've said that he's been dead for a year and he's living secretly in this castle, yeah. Do you think that Doctor Manhattan's out on Mars trying to be a like a, a, a sneaky little uh, little bitch and like rat him out, being a little snitch bitch out there on Mars and like, hey guys, if you're looking for Ozymandias, his castle looks like this. He could it's like making a fucking castle. Like here, he's right here, guys. <laughs> Oh, so man, he's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, man. he's like, dude, we had another, we had an agreement. Yeah, yeah, no, I think Doctor Manhattan could do that a lot more easily. 
Or maybe just, just by just writing the letters. Maybe Doctor Manhattan uh, needs uh, to. Ma- maybe he made the castle for him. Maybe Doctor Manhattan makes it out of out of Marsh Martian sand on there. There, we're dangerously close. And then close. it like make manifests over on Earth. We're dangerously close to getting the squid screen. <laughs> we're gonna get the squid screen. No, no. No, yeah, to get no. I mean, look, about those look I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we know Vate was the character behind the scenes in the entire comic book. Okay. So now it's looking at it like, what part is he going to play? I mean, I'm not. Again, I've never been interested in this guy. I couldn't care less about him now. And it's like, okay, we're here in Tulsa having these really great moments. Now this guy in the UK on a typewriter getting a rub down naked. When I say rub down, I mean a legitimate rub down. I mean just his thighs and stuff were tight because he rode his pony too long. <laughs> All of this, all of this feels like it's got double meaning. <laughs> yeah, and now he's he's blowing out a candle on his on his cake. He takes one bite, which is weird. It's probably because a gross cake. When you have because his robots, but made let it. me tell you this: when you have a one bite of cake like that, and you go in from the top, mm-hmm. you're getting pure fondant. Right. You're not even getting the cake. You're getting fondant, which is disgusting. Nobody likes fondant. Smartest man alive, my ass. Yeah, he eats fondant, which is decorative and disgusting. Cut into <laughs> it, get to the get to the center of the cake, get the bready part, and find out if it's a good bake. Did you watch Great British Baking last Friday? No, I never watched this. Show. Damn. Okay, I don't want. I want to avoid squid, so I'm not getting into Great British Baking. All right. Um, we're we're nearing the end. There's yeah. a dinner at the at the is it their last name Abar. Um, Angela, I can actually look it Could, up right here. Couldn't care less. Her last name's Abraham. Um, uh, anyway, they're having a dinner over there. It felt very much like the leftovers, like these family meals with the like the dim lights Absolutely. and yet this like warm feeling of like love around the table. Hugh, like, it was the Hugh. You have to explain what Hugh is again. Okay, yeah. Hugh is kind of the Scandinavian term for just this feeling of being. Uh, calm, being warm, being cozy, being, being, you know, feeling like you are a part of something and it's your family. It could be on a cold night or a cold day, having tea, <laughs> having a little, uh, what would, what would you call a strumpet? Squids be popping. <laughs> yeah, yes. squids are popping. But I mean, hey, if you're not living Hugie, then you got to change your lifestyle. Uh, this is where we see Crawford's doing some bumps of coke, uh, just to get away from the kids. Real quick though. What did it. you think about the sweet eagle eye view from the chandelier? Above them. Oh, at the end after he does the, the singing? Started out that way and then it ended that way. Oh, did it start that way too? Yep. It was beautiful. What do you read into that? Do you mm-hmm. think it's supposed to be kind of this, it was just super, this little snapshot, this little lens into their life? It was, just, re- it was just really beautiful. Mm, there's got to be more meaning to it. it. It it created the intimate kind of moment that you want. I liked it. His wife, his redhead wife is uh, – wait, I had the – also, I'll say this too. This was the one time in the entire show where we had, uh, I mean, f- f- I don't know how to say this, white people and black people interacting in a really harmonious, friendly, nice way. And right. now we see at the end of the episode, I mean, spoiler alert, we've had it for the last 45 minutes or maybe, it was, maybe it's been three hours. I don't know. Uh, we, we've been going a while. I we, ha- we have the, I mean, it's the first episode where there's a lot of buildup. Yeah. Uh, the, he's dead. Which is going to be, I think, honestly, it's going to be a further deterioration of race relations. He you know? died? Yeah. Shit, dude. Spoiler alert. I know. Uh, his wife, played by uh, Frances Fisher, exhibit, well, I don't know what I'm at, C or D. Is this another Cubes? If you, if you read Night, Owl, Night Owl's backstory, he talks about, before you know hooking up with, with Silk Spectre, 
and their little affair that he had a little bit of a, a dalliance with one of his villain ladies. And I want to say her name was something like Mistress Vixen or something, but she was like a redhead dominatrix lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he had a thing for redheads. And now we have his new his wife in this new life that he's made. Dan Dryberg is now Judd Crawford in my theory. And his he's got a redhead wife. And I, I, I just think it's more evidence. The thing is, you're so proud of your theory. I, I think a lot of people have this theory. But yeah, exactly. I, I'm able to you're point really to You're really going out on a limb here. The very first Watchmen was going to be called Who Killed the Comedian? That was going to be the name of the first ep- uh, the the first issue or the the comic itself maybe, um, and you can even see like Powers ended up uh, yeah. copying this with Who Killed Retro Girl right yeah. in their very first uh, comic series, and I think that Lindelof would love nothing more than to mimic what's going on in the very first issue of Watchmen in which the comedian dies, with having a very significant character. From the Watchmen era, the the Crime Busters era, I guess, of superheroes, Night Owl actually die, and there's a little bit of a murder mystery. A this is a character that died, and that and because he had a secret backstory that was so significant, who are we going to have from the FBI come in to investigate it? Who do we already know from the trailer is going to be coming in here? I know Lori, Lori Blake, Lori, who used to be Lori Giuseppe who has now changed her name to Lori Blake because she's – that's that's a whole other thing. Have you ever seen Designing her. Women? Squids. Go to this – Have you squids. ever seen Designing Women or, <laughs> or Murphy Brown? <laughs> uh, yes. Two great female leads and she's going to be the third. Yeah. So let's go with it. Yeah, no, Gene look, look okay, cool. I love your theory. You're probably right, but it just doesn't, he just doesn't look the part to me. So that's my problem. I just like all the more that it's not underlined yet for us. Uh, he, he did have a little bit of a draw, but he could have put on an affectation for his Southern accent thing. Okay. Who cares? We're moving on. All right. Anyway, let's move past it. Um, Don Johnson decides he, he got to call the police officer, police officer that saw the Rorschach person at the very beginning. He woke up from his coma. So he's going to drive out there. He's like, don't worry. I'm all coked up. I'm going to have the guys drive me out there. Totally doesn't do that. Probably should have. Yeah, because he gets got, and they do the spotlights on him. So it's presumably the seventh cavalry that that does this. They they do it as as a lynching. They hang him from a tree, and Angela has the sweet moment where she grabs a shotgun and she goes out to investigate it. She has her husband arm himself too, and it's it's a very surreal scene at the end. She's walking up this hill to this tree, like. It felt like the end of Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, the, the iconic tree up at the top of the hill. But there's instead, no treasure. No. Instead, you have Lewis Gossett Jr. chilling in his wheelchair at the top of there, right next to this body. And he's obviously the one who, who called her and said, I know who you are. Come on up here. Yeah. Check this shit out. Yeah. And and, and, and don't come with your mask because I know who you are. Don't come with your mask. And it seems ominous in a way that she's going to be. Um, caught off guard and attacked by someone. But I don't know if it's too much of a spoiler to say that in in the trailers after this, great, he's to some extent like claiming credit for it. Like 
there's this one quick line he says, like in, in that same scene, I guess, where he says like that he did it. He did this. And that makes me – I only bring that up, and I apologize if that's too much of a spoiler for anyone, but I only bring that up in so much as like at the beginning of this episode when we first see him, he says, do you do, – does you it look I like lift? I can lift 200 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I thought maybe he was applying for a job. That's got to be a reference to him now claiming credit that he can lift a body, 200-pound body. Of course. And is that that he is a master chessman like Ozymandias, like kind of – being able to strategize, or or is he able to see the sequence of events? Is he potentially another superpowered individual that we're finding out about? You know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I thought at the beginning that when he asked that question, he was just applying for a job at Lowe's. <laughs> That's and there was something a little bit like that. you know. But we see right before the chief of police leaves his house, he's putting his tie on. He has that sweet closet. I mean, I I don't even have a closet in my house. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I think you have sliding door closet, don't you? So don't act like yours is great. It's not the greatest. <laughs> this guy's closet is the size of our bedrooms combined. And he's in there putting on his tie. And we see it, the camera pan down to a picture, which I assume is was him and his dad. And he's kind of holding the old sheriff star and everything like that. So, I, you know, here's my takeaway. I could be wrong. Lord knows I'm wrong 20 times a day. But I thought that the dude in the wheelchair at the end I don't know if he used the 7th Cavalry. I don't know if he kind of orchestrated it. But either way, I think maybe this guy's dad, the chief of police dad, had something to do with the racial riots or he was implicit or complicit in there. I don't know. And he was kind of just doing a a little bit of retribution. Uh, I don't know. Just kind of, you know. Part of me wondered, like, what if Louis Gossett Jr. as a little kid, what if theoretically a kid like that got picked up by the racists? And they raised him. And he fell into the mindset of the racists in some sort of like Did you get this from you or Reddit? From me. Whoa. Okay. But I like, like I don't know, like what if he is actually in some like it wouldn't make sense to us like, you know, visually. It'd be like, no, you would never be a part yeah. of the white supremacist group. But what, there's a yeah, there's a Dave yeah, Chappelle yeah, yeah, sketch. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and but that guy was blind. <laughs> <laughs> and then the wife leaves him. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but then we get the very final shot. You see the the gold yellow, I guess, uh, sheriff badge star on the ground. And the blood drip falls perfectly yeah. onto it. This right here. Okay, he's getting up. Boom. Just yeah. like the drip on the cover of The Watchmen. Yeah, I actually have this written as my third cubes. The yeah. splash of blood at the end. It's great. Awesome. Great callback. I mean, I think this show had a ton for people who haven't seen or haven't read the comic. And I think it had a ton more for people who had without it being heavy handed or taking away from it. We have very important business to get to. Sure. And that is the cubes. First off, you have to, you have to give the proper explanation of what you envision the cubes award is. And I guess it's origin. You can I've reiterate. done it. I know. But reiterate. He loves the sugar cubes I love the green from the comic. Sh- I love the green sugar cubes from the comic. I think they had a special place. At least they have a special place in my heart. They are One not, of the best characters. They are not important to the plot in any way, shape, or form, but they add to it. Right. To my enjoyment of it. All right. So we have to each pick our favorite cubes character. Well, or a cu- cu- character or a moment? Okay. Moment. Yeah. Mine's Panda. I think Panda really stuck out for me. Everyone hates Panda. Panda loves his binder. Panda was immediately eye-catching, and I'm like, I want I want more about Panda. 
I want more about the asshole, the the stinky Linus and his dirty panda ha- head. Yeah. Like, why does everyone else hate this guy? Yeah, yeah. No, panda was cool. Yeah. Panda was sweet. I feel uh, like he was phoning in his costume, and I'm like, I'm on board with For this. sure. He needs to get that thing dry cleaned. Maybe get a Groupon or something. <laughs> uh, for me, I think I had two cubes. I think the first cube was the old truck at the very beginning, which ended up being driven by the white supremacist, but it had the energy meter on it, mm. which is a throwback to the fact that in 1986 – in the Watchmen, we had electric cars. Yeah. And that's because Dr. Manhattan did his whole physics, chemistry, whatever, science, voodoo. I guess science is not voodoo. That's the whole point of science. But had electric cars in the mid-80s, right? Yes. And that was my first cube. Second one was was just seeing Archie. Yeah. You know, I loved Archie. It was so cool. And for me, actually, I didn't pick up on it, like seeing the monitors. So I assumed that they were in like a trailer or something, mm-hmm. you know, like on the ground, not flying above them. I think that's what they wanted you. Exactly. Initially. And so then whenever they it panned back and we found out, okay, she said like the, the, the plane's flying right under you. Yeah. I was like, oh, Archie. What a cool line. And then sure enough, it was Archie. And it was so fun. It was so cool. Kinda, they did the, the breath of fire. For a quick minute, I felt like a little kid. It was just kind of cool seeing that, you know? And this is not a, I think the Watchmen comic and the Watchmen show, if you can't tell, is not a classic feel-good comic book show or film or whatever. But that kind of felt like it. We, I, saw, we saw a fire-breathing dragon vehicle take down a, a Cessna. It was cool. There are heavy elements of this show that are a good reckoning, I guess, for us to to watch and actually think about. I think this is a show that lends itself to having an important conversation about society. But at the same time, it's got those Lindelof sensibilities of knowing when to interject a lot of, of humor and levity and, and silliness and zaniness off the wall, weird shit. Yeah. Like, all of it just balances so nicely. It's it's going to be a what was fun your, ride. What was your funniest moment? Um, man, what? I don't know. Like for I, me, for me, it was whenever uh, they crash landed, and then she says that like, "Oh shit" or oh, whatever. Shit. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That was that was great. that was great. Uh, I I also made note of the when Looking Glass was talking about the lettuce yeah. and how dry dry about it. It was just some lettuce in there. Yeah. Were there Kurjons? I don't think there are Kurjons. <laughs> so, do you think Lori is going to get pulled in now because the F? Because I think we know that Lori works for the FBI. Yeah, and so I think she's going to get pulled in, in because two, they're going to be aware of the the secret identity of Dan Dryberg being dead. Precisely, That's my theory. Do you think Lori already knows Regina, or do you think no. they're going to be introduced? No. Okay. But she's going to have some definite history there. I think it's yeah. Like I said, I think I mentioned this before on another episode, but it's it's speed too. Like the 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 it was a hot and heavy romance that burned too fast for Speed One between her and Night Owl, uh, Spectre uh, and Night Owl, and you have to she she probably has some new boo, but she had to move on from him. And for people who have, who, who did not too. listen, that was one of my first dates. Mom dropped us off in the minivan, went to see Speed Two. I know we're pure squids right now, <laughs> but uh, the ticket taker thought I thought I was with my babysitter. Well, how's that feel? That's adorable. I haven't recovered. <laughs> I was with my date in sixth grade. I don't know if we're here to unpack your baggage. <laughs> we're here to unpack this Yeah, so hey, baggage. great episode. I'm so glad it was here. I mean, we've been doing this now for, what, nine or ten weeks? Yep. Uh, and really excited. This did not disappoint, which if you think about something for two or three months, it probably will disappoint because there was yeah. so much buildup. But this really fired in all cylinders. It I was felt so pretty fun. secure that this was going to be right up my alley. Yeah. But I'm very excited to continue week after week diving into this for the next upcoming eight weeks, I believe. 
And we hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to this. We would love feedback from you guys. If you want to reach out to us on Instagram, you can do that. You can also email me at whopodsawatchman at gmail.com. We would love to get your feedback there as well. If you want to help us out, please go to uh, whichever platform you're listening to this on, but most likely iTunes, and give us a five-star rating and then write a little review for us. We'd appreciate that. We'll try to read those occasionally on the show. You can also help us out financially by going to patreon.com slash whopodsawatchmen. There, we're just asking for you guys to make a couple bucks a month donation. You will just get charged at the beginning or end of the month one time. And we will try to put little bonus uh, content up there. Wouldn't you to make say it that, all worth a while? Wouldn't for you. you say that the beginning and the end of the month are kind of the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I said you know, that. <laughs> I mean, the thirty first and the first is not a huge deal. Um, yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Really exciting to, for us to get to do our very first episode uh, of the actual show here. And I have a new outro line for us. Yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll be quiet. It's thanks, and we'll be watching. What do you think of that? Uh, I'm just going to be quiet until next week. Is it awful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frazier says, I'm listening. So I'm you know, listening. You know I like it. Hey, we'll be watching. Cause w- watch. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Hey, it was you. fun. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks again. See you.